Welcome to In the Envelope, an awards podcast. I am your host, Jack Smart, awards editor at Backstage. I'm here to give you a front row seat to the Emmys, Oscars, SAG, and Tony's races. Who is in the running? What makes an award-worthy performance? And what are the secrets to giving one? These intimate, inspirational conversations with some of today's most talented stars provide you, dear listener, the kind of craft and career advice that could win you a statue of your own, and maybe, just maybe, a tantalizing glimpse in the envelope. Get back to the thing of just doing the best that you can. And don't think that your best performance is who you are Mm. as an actor. Don't think of your worst performance Mm. as who you are as an actor. You're somewhere in the middle. Yes, all the time. All the time. We went long, didn't we? We did. That was a long one. Yeah. We couldn't get you guys to shut up. <laughs> no, I I was tempted to keep going. <laughs> I really was. Um, hello, Jamie. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I'm in the midst of award season, and we just talked to Billy Crudup. Yeah. Here in LA at Buzzies in Hollywood. And... Um, we were just saying it was really great. It was really fun. It was. If you're an actor looking to get some inspiration and some information mm. to direct you in your career, this is the interview to listen to for sure. Totally. Yeah. He. Um, I feel like this. Uh, the good formula of this podcast is to ask them about their their career path, but also like obviously whatever project it is we're discussing, and from that you then paint a picture of someone's their process, their philosophy, their advice. Yeah. And that was sprinkled throughout, like from the moment we started, that was becoming clear. And what's interesting is what's evergreen and what's completely individual. Some things, you know, certain people's skills lead them down a certain path and what they are drawn to and what they're not necessarily appropriate for. But there are certain evergreen things and I I don't want to ruin them too much by talking about it now, you know, in a far less eloquent way, (laughs) but there's some really interesting tidbits in there for that. Yeah. Like the, yeah, the foundation on which you build all that other random stuff is kind of maintains consistency as like a, yeah, you can build a career off of that, but also you can build skills. If you have like Billy's kind of inherent creativity and his ability to like, listen to other people and discuss art and like it's a lot of great puzzle pieces there. yeah and existing and staying creative as an actor amid oh, yeah. chaos <laughs> well, i mean what another that's such another theme that has emerged on this podcast is like it's sort of like the art of being in the moment is what we're exploring here yeah that's right it's crucial to storytelling and great great acting so for listeners who don't know billy crudup he's a very much a broadway star and a theater actor but has appeared uh, in kind of character roles in a lot of different movies mm. and is currently starring as Corey Ellison on the Apple TV Plus's The Morning Show. Yeah. Opposite Reese Witherspoon and Jennifer Aniston. So. And you didn't ask about Reese. 
It didn't come up. Yeah. They had a lot of scenes together. I also have to shout out Billy Crudup's incredible transition to talking about the morning show. Because <laughs> yes. He like, folded it into some other thing and I didn't then have to like steer the conversation yeah. there. But I liked uh, I liked that again, we using the morning show as a as an excuse or as a means of seeing somebody's process. This is a primo example of that. Absolutely. Yeah. So even if you haven't seen the morning show, it's a great interview. Thank you, Jamie, for whipping this around because we're going to turn it right around before the SAG Awards because Billy is nominated. So then it's on to Oscar season. Yeah, it never ends. No, we are in the, <laughs> in the weeds. What is today? Today's the 10th. That means it's less than a month until the Oscars. Wow. Okay. <laughs> okay. So, so I'll see you in a month, everyone. Yeah. We better get our <laughs> podcasting fingers limbered up. <laughs> That's right. Well. On that note. <laughs> <laughs> This episode is brought to you by Big Little Lies on HBO. Nominated for Outstanding Performance by an Ensemble in a Drama Series, The Hollywood Reporter calls the show's cast TV's Best Ensemble for your SAG Award consideration in all nominated categories. Billy Crudup has long been a leading man and character actor of stage and screen, appearing in Almost Famous, Spotlight, and Jackie, and on Broadway with four Tony nominations and a win to his name. The native New Yorker is currently nominated for Outstanding Drama Actor at the upcoming SAG Awards for his fascinating work on Apple TV Plus's The Morning Show, created by Jay Carson and Mimi Leader and starring and produced by Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon. Here's our wonderful interview with Billy Crudup. I'm ashamed to say that I didn't know about this podcast because there's oh, so much to do and I should have been absolutely. listening to it. I mean, no. backstage is my shit. Going back to the yes. the day, you know. Yes, well, that's obviously, we have to ask you about that. So you, you spent a lot, you've spent a lot of time in New York and you live there. You know backstage. Yes. I mean, that's I awesome. would pick up backstage. It was mandatory, you uh-huh. know, when we were first starting out. Um there, there were only publications. There wasn't an online no, anything. True. Um, so if you wanted to know about what was happening um, and if there were open calls or anything mm-hmm. or you just wanted to read the interesting articles about the actors that were working, <laughs> Good, yes. um, backstage was the thing. Amazing. Yeah. What kinds of uh, like auditions were you going out for? Well, when I first started... Um, I was in acting school, so I could go for auditions for summer um, uh, theater companies, oh, cool. okay. regional theater. Um, so I did um, a production of Candida at uh, the George Bernard Shaw play at the Hangar Theater in Ithaca, New York. Awesome. Then I did a play called The Crucifer of Blood um, when I was shortly out of drama school. Mm-hmm. Um I think it was in purchase. Um, I was always out of town. Blanking on it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. And that was a, yeah, there was a Sherlock Holmes mystery. Oh, Uh, very fun. Yeah. I was playing the lurking butler in the background. (laughs) Okay. May or may not have some kind of clandestine relationship with his boss. Okay. Um, (laughs) Super fun. These are formative experiences. They certainly were. (laughs) And then, um, and then you audition for everything. I mean, they kind of teach Mm -hmm. you to... uh, take the shotgun approach and 
see where you might find mm. uh, entry into the marketplace. And so yes. voiceovers, regional theater, sure. Broadway, movies, um, not so much TV at the time because yeah. I was really concerned. I remember I did um, an audition for a TV show that I'm spacing on right now. Ironically, because it was a space type show, it was a sci-fi show, oh. um, so I'm not spacing <laughs> enough on it. But the, it, it, they, they, I did the audition. I think because my agent was like, "This casting director is a good casting director. You should get to Just know go, her." And, yeah. Um, and then I did a callback for it, and they said they want they want to fly you out to Los Angeles and do a screen test. Oh. And I was like. Well, oh. all right. I mean, again, I want to reiterate, like, I don't really, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I didn't know this was like going the full yeah. route towards um, maybe doing the job. And, and you were used to theater. Mostly. I was used to theater For and sure. going from one job to the next, like three months here, this oh. character, three months here, that character. And true. Yeah. The, um, um, the, because I, I was still getting parts uh, and having the opportunity to play various different kinds of roles, I thought that was a great approach mm. for my career to mm. get a lot of flexibility playing a lot of different things. Sure. So the idea of being locked into a certain character yeah. early on seemed intimidating to me, even uh -huh. though financially it seemed That's phenomenal. The, right. Okay. Um, but I was standing on the um, street at a payphone. Uh, on 6th Avenue and 57th. You remember. I remember it so vividly <laughs> because it was a formidable moment when my agent yeah. said, okay, so you have to fly out to screen test and we want to negotiate the, the contract right now. And I was like, well, what do you mean? I don't have the job. Well, they make you sign the contract uh -oh. before the screen test so you can't pull out. So right, they're not right, flying right. you out oh, there for nothing. This is one of those, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was a seven-year contract. Oh, my God. And I was like- Wait, what? Was it for a network? For it was a, real, a network show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. A seven-year contract. I was just shitting myself. It was not. <laughs> did you bail? No, I went out you and did, did it. it. Okay. Um, oh my god. Just to kind of follow through with the process and yeah, you know, at a certain point, I was like, well, it'll be for the best. I'll be able to have you know a steady income. It'll be a job. It'll be sure. maybe I'll learn skills that I'm not expecting. But yeah. I was relieved when, when it, I didn't get it. <laughs> you didn't get okay. Uh, Did uh, you get close? Were there lots of auditions? Um, I was probably within like five people. Or okay, it was you know yeah. But at the, it's because it was early in your career, and you were definitely in like the New York theater mindset. That seven years, all of a sudden, in LA, all I had ever done like, was um, plays. Yeah. Uh, the, and at that point, I did a couple of independent movies, and they're oh, okay. very compartmentalized experiences where you get super myopic about a very mm. specific kind of storytelling, mm. and then you abandon it and you move on to the totally. next thing and you totally take it in. It's, it's kind of like the gypsy. carny life. Yeah, yeah exactly. Totally. totally. And I loved it. It was familiar That's to me. Yeah. It's the way I knew how to understand a process. And mm -hmm. I also saw actors um, from my point of view that um, got jobs earlier in, early in their career and built up habits that mm. didn't serve them the rest of their career. They were in pursuit of that same part oh, that they had found a, a, a way of managing because it was a seven-year job or however, if right. it's successful. And that's what they so knew. So they knew how to do it. Right. And you're working, you know, in television hours, huh. the, the, the 
the volume of work is so sure. monumental oh, yeah. um, that you can build up some pretty strong habits. And sure. I didn't feel like sure. that was going to benefit me later on because I sort of thought hmm. my strength will be versatility. If I can play a lot gotcha. of different kinds of character parts okay. um, in TV and film, uh, whatever it is, um, that'll enable me to have the longest career. Okay. See, this is the insight into your into your tastes and into your, like, why you got into this in the first place. This is the stuff we like to hear because I wanted to ask about, like, I mean, we always ask about, I'd love to hear your life story <laughs> or, like, why acting? Like, the question right. is always, like, did you get bit by the bug very early on or was it were you inspired by something it's a really good question i i there were certainly people in my life my mom for example um who was a fan of the arts of the creative arts in general mm -hmm. so uh whether it was uh, plays or movies or tv shows uh or exhibits at a museum she was cool. always invested in exposing us to as much culture as we could digest as children. Mm -hmm. um, but I had a real connection to going to see plays, and I loved okay. it. And we, I grew up sort of all over the country, but I was... Uh, until I was six, we lived on Long Island, and okay. so mm -hmm. occasionally we would drive into the city and take oh, in a show. You did that thing, okay? Loved that gotcha. whole experience. That and when we moved from New York, oh. um, it was still a part of our family's sense of self, sure. like that we're kind of New Yorkers and uh, like <laughs> going in to see plays and yes. stuff. So just about every year, we would fly up to New York and go see gotcha. plays, and oh, cool! Okay. Got to see. Um, Let's see, Fisher Stevens in Brighton Beach Memoirs. He had replaced mm. Matthew Broderick. And uh, I saw James Earl Jones and Courtney Vance mm. uh, in Fences. Oh, sweet. And um, in addition to seeing things like Starlight Express. Sure. And, um, yeah. The Magic Show with, the big, uh, oh. oh, what was his name? He was a phenomenal magician who kind of looked like Gallagher, but he wore a <laughs> like, onesie that had all this kind of cosmic... Illustrate. Sorry, I'm going into a rabbit That's hole. That's a with Broadway that. show. <laughs> it was phenomenal. It was a magic show on um, Broadway. On Broadway. Oh. Um, and uh, these made impressions on you for sure. <laughs> they were, they were uh, uh, the part of the fabric of my childhood. Yeah. And because we moved a whole bunch, my way of fitting in um, was I was class clown, and so okay. I was very short. Um, okay. <laughs> kind of like scrawny. And yes. um, I, the way for me to get attention yep. was to, you know, be a fool. And you are a middle child. I'm a middle child. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and uh, I did want to ask about the moving around and whether that explains like a sense of uh, home. The older I get, the less I expect that. I have a brain that could put all of the pieces together to tell me the story of why I'm here with you today. Oh, interesting. There's just so many variables yeah. going on. I mean, I could yeah. be reductive about it and say maybe this led to this and maybe this led to sure. this. Sure. But, but it's over overall, it's so, there are so many factors that went totally. into it. There were people that I was close to. Uh, my best friend at the time, Rayfield Bemperod, his mom, um, Sonia, was a huge fan of the theater and the uh -huh. arts. Uh -huh. So the opportunity to engage in conversations with my friend and their mm. parents about things that we had seen gotcha. and that I had a point of view about it, it made me feel... <laughs> um, 
like that was like um, like that was a virtue that I could oh, engage sure. in conversations with adults. Yeah, and um, huh. I appreciated the arts and I liked doing it. Yeah. You know, all of those things were they gave me a, a sense of self that that uh, right. made an introduction mm. into pursuing the career a little bit easier. Right. That being said, there wasn't a drama department in my high school. I did one play um, mm. because there was only one play that was done while I was there. Gotcha. Um, and, do you um, remember what that play was? I do. <laughs> well, I can tell you that Daniel J. Travanti, uh, who I, I, I think was Hill Street Blues, I, I, it's going to kill uh. me if I don't. Fantastic <laughs> actor. Um, he did the movie of it. And, oh. Uh, oh, crap. What was it called? <laughs> Oh, I put you on the spot. I just remembered being so excited that I, and I think I was playing the Daniel J. Travanti part, mm -hmm. who was like, you know, 40 or so. Oh, um, sure, sure. Yeah. It was a courtroom drama. Okay. And uh, it wasn't difficult for me. No. Oh, okay. You know, I, I think one thing that actors in particular, particularly stage actors, mm -hmm. take for granted is that they have a physiological makeup in their brain that makes them capable of internalizing dialogue. Most people uh -huh. who encounter memorizing things and speaking in front of people, they, they have a natural aversion to it. Totally. Public speaking is one of the most uh, formidable phobias uh, for people to have. Yeah. Memorizing things and recounting them. Mm -hmm. So most actors, I guess this is a theory of mine, that yeah. they don't run into that problem early on right. because their brain is able to. And I can remember a moment when I was a junior in high school when we were meant to memorize um, a part of To Be or Not To Be. Uh -huh. and of course. Of course, to of course. learn about Shakespeare. Uh, and yeah, had a, a fantastic English teacher, and her name will come to me at some point in my life but it won't be during our interview um yeah. i'm sorry to say because my teachers were another part of the major inspiration for me yeah. but you only had to do i don't know maybe eight lines of it or something like that right and without even thinking about it i could memorize yeah. the whole thing yeah and i just did it i did it like mm. in a in the hammiest hamlet way that you could possibly imagine oh. um because i was the class clown right but i could also ah. so i i had no problem making a fool of myself and i could remember dialogue sure. okay those things recipe for that makes it so much easier to um especially when your peers or girls or oh, your sure. family were like, good job, Billy. Uh, validation. So I was going yes. for the good job, Billy, right. every chance I got. Right. Um, and uh, that was, I, I suppose, the beginning of, of me feeling comfortable performing. Right. And then when I was in college, I started out as a business major because nobody in my family was involved in the creative arts in any memorable way or right. certainly they didn't pursue it for a career um and so it i didn't even consider being a drama major uh -huh. or, i quickly realized that um i was not going to pursue business i had just no interest in any of the classes that were offered in the curriculum the, yeah. i also i found um adjusting to college really difficult oh okay oh it was not uh, just the academic not just the academic the... part but the 
separation from the family, the embarking on your adult life, the responsibility of getting up and uh, making your day yourself, you know, (laughs) your entry into adulthood, and also accommodating like a social life, trying to make new friends. That's the most terrifying part. So all of those things in conjunction Mm. led to a very low GPA my freshman year. Really? Um, Very low. Um, Transitions are hard. Really hard. Yeah. So that's probably the biggest transition of our lives. It's my, a, it, I think it probably is. I was is just saying too. that to my sister who's a senior in high school. So she's about to, she's about to do that. So Where is like, she going to go? It's like the biggest transition of your, she's applying all over. Right. But um, she'll probably end up on the East Coast. So. Where did you go to college? Vassar College. Vassar. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, when did you graduate Before from there? From 2012. Okay. But I'm from Honolulu, Hawaii. So oh, wow. East Coast was like bizarre to go all the way there. Because you wanted to get away uh, or you just found Vassar um, was the place you wanted to be? I liked or? Vassar. I liked the East Coast. Because that's a long way. I mean, it's sort of like what you were saying. I kind of liked the access to New York theater. Right. Because I vividly remember my first Broadway show. What was that? The Lion King. Okay. Age 10. And <laughs> that's then, the first one I took my son to. Uh, yeah. Oh, amazing. His mom and I took him it's to. It's a great uh, first Broadway oh. show. And we were terrified. I actually because, haven't seen it since. And oh. I would love to see it now. <laughs> it's it's the, the best. best. It's I the mean, actual best. The, um, especially when you're that age. Oh, my God. Because we had taken him to a movie maybe once before. And he was a little bit mm. scared. It's dark. You know, yeah. there's people you can't see yeah. anyone. And so we were a little mm. bit... Um, Theater could go either way. Yeah, can yeah. Go, so we were like on our toes, and he he was on the um, aisle just in case, like we needed to escape, oh, right? Yeah. Um, That's so a good call. the music starts, the lights go down, yeah, the and number. the pageant begins. They're and coming the, down the aisle. The elephant is coming ah! down the house left aisle. Yeah. And Will turns around chills. and he looks and he sees the elephant and he looks at mom and I and goes, oh, yeah. And I was like, all right, he's fine. <laughs> he's t- wow. It could have gone one of two ways. Could have gone <laughs> that anyway. Was it. But I just remember that. Oh, yeah. Like I'm home. Um, yes. So, yeah. Oh, so he, he's the Lion be. King is familiar in our uh, oh, that's great. Uh, history as well. Yeah. There is something. I think there's something about the Broadway in particular that is very inspirational at yeah. a young age and like the cultured New York theater kid thing of like well I always have that to go back to right and then it does I feel like it's one of those puzzle pieces where it paints a picture somewhere in my future it's going to involve that right I don't I don't know how but right. it's going to like I'm going to get there so of course you you had the subconscious like on some at some point Broadway Whatever Maybe. it was, whether I was going to be an audience member Absolutely. or uh, they, uh, the arts were a part of my identity totally. at that point. Totally. And um, there is something to me philosophically pretty sacred about that space, too. Mm-hmm. The fact that you can reliably get people either spending $300 a ticket or $0 a ticket mm-hmm. To sit quietly and listen to a story together for two hours or more with usually not too much disruption is incredible to me. Like... These days, it's what an incredible thing. I mean, this pageant of storytelling, you know, where everybody will agree to these tacit um, rules only for the purpose 
of uh, an emotional catharsis. Mm-hmm. That's all we're looking for, totally. a collective emotional catharsis. Totally. And whether that's laughter or whether it's tears mm-hmm. or whether it's rage and whether or not the people who perform the show are successful or not as a part of the, oh, yeah. you know, w- was it a, a good sermon today or not? You know, there's all sorts of uh, things that go into being a part of a community witnessing the story together and uh, only for the purpose of sharing and being moved. Sure. And uh, I love that. I love totally. uh, everything that it uh, aspires to uh, mm. socially, um, discuss hard topics. Um, yes. But also, too, then the show is over. So you don't you don't have to actually go through it yourself. <laughs> yes. You, you clap for it, and then you go home, and maybe you're you know mm. you get some tears, or maybe you sweat it a little too much, or maybe you fell asleep and got a good nap, whatever it is. Sure. And then oh, like typically this. you discuss it with people. Yes. Which yes. engages typically. you again in your community. Yeah. What you didn't like, what you did like, and I I had people like mm. my mom and my dad was that way about movies, and then my friends mom Sonia and her parents. <laughs> Uh, Pauline and Murray, uh, Pauline and Murray Kaufman, they lived on the upper, <laughs> oh uh, upper West side, loved hearing me and Rayphil at 12 years old, talk about gotcha. our ideas of what we saw. Right. As patrons of the, as patrons yeah. of the, and as community members. Totally. So that's what it felt like to me was I was welcomed into, um, a world where my voice was important. Welcomed in, yeah. You know? and that was huh. that was significant. Whether it was, it meant I was going to continue to pursue it or not, um, right? It wasn't really a consideration right. until my GPA tanked, and then I thought, all right, right. I need to take okay a whole group of classes my second semester to see what sticks. Um, okay, to see what you like. Yeah, whether it's. Um, Math, uh, gotcha. the sciences, uh, English, um, Spanish, Western Civ. I mean, it took everything. And one of the things that I took was oral interpretation of prose and poetry and um, taught by a wonderful teacher named Paul Ferguson. And I just discovered that, again, back to what I was saying, my brain, the way that my brain works. Right. I could look at a poem it would be memorized almost instantaneously, mm-hmm. and then I could start to creatively engage with how I'm going to interpret it. Cool. Yeah. So it's the best. It was fantastic. Yeah. And, and then you get to follow your gut because you know you like that. So. And people that in your class, uh-huh. again, they appreciate your effort. Mm-hmm. They, whether it's good or bad, successful or unsuccessful, you're still a part of that conversation. Why was it unsuccessful? Right. Why was it okay. successful? Why did you consider that choice? Did you ever consider this choice? Mm. We're trying to interpret somebody else's yes. work for the only for the purpose of uh, presenting it to students. This is not like commodifiable. It's not perfect, right? And right. you're not. Nobody is going to go see any of the performances in the speech communications department except for people in the speech communications department or in the communications department somewhere else in northwestern or something you know like where you do little debate offs or you do poetry offs you know that kinds of those kinds of things but i think what it it taught me was that i did have a specific engagement with this kind of discipline Mm -hmm. so if i could continue to pursue that it would not only boost my GPA, but it might give me a path <laughs> towards uh, what I want to do in, yeah. uh, with my career. And I, I confess I was leaning 
strongly on on being a teacher because so many of my mentors uh, were teachers right? and I thought I would teach okay. I would teach in the speech communications department. It also allowed me to tell my father and my grandfather that I was a communications major and they didn't know what that meant exactly, oh. but it wasn't a drama major. Well, that's better than saying you're a drama major. I see. It's only better because they wouldn't have known what the hell I was talking you're about. You're actually doing poetry. I, said, but... I was doing poetry, exactly. <laughs> and uh, my grandfather, he worked for a yarn mill in Henderson, North Carolina. Um, he was in the marketing department there. And oh, he cool. was sort of born and raised in a very small community. Hmm. Um, and the notion that I would be pursuing higher education while they were paying for it and that I was going to use my time to do poems for my classmates <laughs> might have been um, <laughs> undigestible. Um, yes. So yeah, the, I, I was kind of hedging my bets a little bit too. Yes. Uh, so right. I got my communications degree and okay. by the time I had finished uh, undergraduate, I had taken every performance class probably at Chapel Hill okay. um, in right. the drama department at that point and the communications department because mm-hmm. I ran out of performance classes to take in the communications department and I still wanted to perform. Gotcha. So, so there you go. I started taking acting for non-majors and I had some wonderful teachers who allowed me to take the classes for majors. Okay. Um, cool. Okay. And I took some graduate classes and stuff. And mm. then um, when that was over, they... I was kind of asking around, you know, like, okay, cool. What do I do with this degree now? now? What? <laughs> um, yeah. And you were uh, thinking about the career in college. You were thinking about I where was to take that. Beginning to, you know, yeah. when it, and actually, I can remember my senior year. I was so concerned that I was not prepared uh, to ah. embark on the um, a specific career that. I started taking fewer hours so that I would have at least nine hours left by the time my senior year was finished. So I would have to do another semester and it was going to buy me oh. some more time. So I, oh I did four and a half years. Um, oh, you did. You did do this. I did do you it. You did an extra semester. I did an extra semester. <laughs> and during the summer um, after my senior year, I got my first acting job because I wanted to see what that would be like. Yeah. And that was as a reenactor. Um, <gasps> On- and- uh, on, oh my god. Yes. It was it was it pretty spectacular. <laughs> um it was on the coast of North Carolina. Um there it, it was a uh, a ship called the Elizabeth II. Oh and it's, it's sort of adjunct to this um outdoor theater extravaganza in just on the outer banks of North Carolina that tells the story uh, of the lost colony and it's called the lost colony oh, okay. and it employs about 3000 college students. I mean, it's such an oh, wow. enormous event like oh. dancers and singers and year round. Uh, um, this is just during the summer. Gotcha. Okay. And what I did was I auditioned at the end of my senior year. They, they had the, the, some kind of audition process. I can't remember what it's called now. The outdoor theater festival audition process mm-hmm. where, artistic directors from the various outdoor summer programs um, go to various colleges mm-hmm. and they hold, you get one minute and you can do like a 30 second comedy, 30 second dramatic of whatever of whatever. Oh. And then, oh, then there's a sheet that goes up or like 50 sheets. If there's 50 different people there, uh, cause they come from all over the country. I, I mean, see. everywhere from Oregon oh, to North okay. Carolina outdoor theater festival, I think is what it was called. Um, and, mm. Whoever responds to you, you, you find your name on there okay. and then you go and talk to them. And so there were a couple people that responded to me mm. and I took 
the job that had the highest wage at the time, which I feel like was $4.65 an hour or something. Oh I don't know why that's sticking to me, okay. but um, <laughs> it was to be one of five members of um, the boat's crew. Yeah. So there was an actual replica of this boat that oh, was okay. several miles away from where they did the Lost Colony, but it was part of all the same story. A replica of the boat. Okay. A replica of the boat. Okay. Actually, I think that it was seaworthy. Um, okay. And... Each of us were meant to develop our own characters, and we oh, all had cool. specific tasks. So I was the bosun's mate, which means okay. I was in, in charge of the knots and rope tying oh, and okay. stuff like that. Oh, okay. And I came up with my That's character's like name, um, Thomas Latham. Uh, okay. And uh, <laughs> and when <laughs> and when when and when uh, tourists would come on, they would ask you questions, and, and you, you answered oh, it that's like super, that's a really good skill. To it, it was it was fantastic for about two weeks until uh-huh. everybody got bored, and oh. you know the uh, the five actors because we were all working second jobs too. I was flipping pizzas at night, to, yeah, and um, to survive. It was not easy. Yeah, four sixty five is not going to. It's great to be paid as an actor. Don't get me wrong. That's a working yeah, but working actor. This was. The hours were not long enough on the ship, um, and, the, and the foot traffic was not heavy enough for it to yeah. cover your expenses. So, right. yeah, I flipped pizzas a night, mm-hmm. and um, I <laughs> at the beginning, people would come up and say, so tell me about your job. And I we had some made-up accent, you know. Um, oh, my God. Yeah. I, Even the accent is... Yeah, where we would pronounce the Ks <laughs> at the beginning of things, like, I tie canots. <laughs> <laughs> what? I don't this know. Was it, a, was, it was because you guys were just given free reign. It just... was yeah. I mean, and there was there was a curator. There was somebody who kind of like directed it and said, okay. "This is the way that we do things." But there were also two wow. actors. Uh, Kelly Johnston uh, was one of them, and he directed me in a production of the Resistible Rise of Arturo Ui in uh-huh. Chapel Hill, which was a Brecht play, and okay. it was the thing that I like. It was. I think most actors probably have one performance that they go, oh, shit, this is what I do. Oh, cool. And in college, that was it for me. I got to play Arturo Ui, and, Mm -hmm. like, I spent my spring break learning all the lines, you know, and Mm -hmm. um, it was... It was a big deal for me. And so I was very close to Kelly. And so he was one of the other people on the the The, ship. Yeah. And uh, so he kind of taught me... The ropes. Um, the ropes. And it had to do with pronouncing things with, like, <laughs> uh, mildly Irish accent or something. Okay. In any case, so at the beginning of the summer, I was like, ah, sure, I could tell you about this cannot. And uh, I have knowledge of all sorts of things <laughs> oh on the boat, God. you know. And then, like, two weeks into it, we're, we're sitting in the hold and a kid comes, like, in and he's like, so what do you do? And you're, like, with a cigarette going, do you see that I'm f-ing taking a nap? <laughs> okay? Yeah, I'm on a ship. I, I take naps, Okay. <laughs> You know, like we had totally There's given no real up at that point. To keep, yeah, yeah, it was hard. It, it was it was hard. Um, but, but what a great gig it was. Yeah, it's so memorable. And uh, between that, and my the friends, serious Brecht play, it's like, correct. Yeah, and my friends from high school drove up to oh, see me on it. You know, like uh, it was it was a very memorable period of time. This really does paint a picture of your of your philosophy, and I think of like. It sounds like you're very, um, rather than being results oriented, like you said about the communications class, like you are all about discussing things, the process, 
the route it's the what the journey rather than the destination kind of I, thing. it seems to be one of those professions that if people could routinely do it well they would uh-huh. <laughs> oh my god i've never quite heard it put that way before and that's very true but you can't because yeah. it's really hard yes. a, a creative collaboration with so many people using so many disparate skills Mm. To create a single event, yeah. whether it's on screen or on stage, mm. is most reliably fine. Yes. It's very yes. rarely extraordinary. extraordinary. Yes. And so if you're concerned too much with result, your emotional and psychological life is going to be torment. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Because it's never any good. And even if it is good, sometimes people don't see it. And even if it's right. really good, sometimes the critics hate it. Or and, they still you know, don't like there's it. There's just yeah, yeah. every every chance totally. that it can fail. And <laughs> more than anything, if you are process-oriented, mm. you can learn about other people's processes. So exactly. you can share totally. in a communal growth of your own instrument and yeah. uh, hopefully sustain a career over a long period of time. I mean, that seemed to be the biggest uh, potential pitfall is, right. you know, live fast, die hard, that this is not a career that people can sustain for very long. No. Um, I mean, there's also the like flame out with the with like a fame correct. aspect. There's that whole thing if you get to that level. Yep. And so if you're but. pursuing that early on mm -hmm. and you know, I was introduced uh to that as soon as I started working um on Broadway and in film, mm -hmm. um that if there was if I wanted to pursue a kind of matinee idol fame, that there was availability. To it. Okay. But I had absolutely no idea what that really meant. <laughs> okay. And I didn't really, <laughs> I wasn't now? in pursuit, not really. <laughs> okay. I see some actors who are extremely capable at it. Yeah. But yeah. I don't feel like that's where I'm sure useful. I'm no. a weirdo, you know, yes. like, and I have a weird take on stuff. Sure. And so if you try to put me into that, it's just going to be disappointing or at best average and right. i can be better than average sometimes mm -hmm. if i'm allowed into the weird parts yeah because i was gonna ask you about that like leading man versus character actor is a interesting uh question for some people i think about how brad pitt is put into one category yep. when he wants to be in the other yeah he, well he can <laughs> do both i mean that's the, i mean he is one of the rare exceptions of people totally. that can do matinee idol uh, both and yeah. then oddball and, and inc incredible capability to invest in a single character and lose himself in it yeah. um that, right. that that those two don't typically coincide right and yeah. he's an outlier and yeah Screw him, <laughs> right. son of a gun. He's uh, just won a Golden Globe. <laughs> yeah, um, well, he's he's one of my favorite. I have to say, to be yeah. able to manage not just uh, the acting career that he has, but mm. all of the things that you just said. Yeah, he he's the apex of it for our generation. Totally, and uh, being able to do both, man, that's hard to navigate. All of it. Yeah, I I've I've only seen it from like standing across the street from the party looking in and yes. even from there made me feel uncomfortable. Um, <laughs> right. 
I just wanted to like just give me a part that I can hide into. Let me do a play and uh, right. come in like show up every night. I promise. I'll... You are a theater kid. You're a theater actor. I, 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 well, I do love the ritual of that too. I mean that right. you know. Right. When you're take the E train up and you get off at 42nd Street and yeah. then somebody else is going to their show and you see them oh, and you yeah. kind of wave to each other and then you all meet up at the bar afterwards. Um, sure. You know that that to oh, me is a really romantic kind of um, existence. Yeah, but Sardis. The, you go to oh, well, afterwards. yeah, I'll go to Sardis once they put um, a caricature of me up there. Okay, I've done too many oh, Broadway yeah. plays. I don't even have one up there. It's oh, a, you I am a just caricature. outraged. Exactly. You do deserve I need, one. I'm going to go up and put one there myself. For Tony nomination. Like, what is this going to be? What in the world is this? We've been keeping crude up out of here, and he snuck this and, <laughs> and hanging up in really the bathroom. Made it until you're. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah. Well, we there is um, there's a number of uh, spots, and it usually has uh-huh. to do with where your uh, um, theater is. Oh, and, sure, sure, sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. So most recently, I was working downtown at um, the Vineyard Theater and the Manetta Lane mm-hmm. Theater, which was really close to my apartment. So that's where the after party was, oh. was me going to sleep. Oh, that's different. <laughs> I was, yeah, it's, it, it was not the romantic part oh. of it, but it was still doing a, um, it, was, it was still the ritual of going to the theater and stuff. Right. But not um, the Midtown Bar thing. Yeah, not the Midtown yeah. Bar. You know, when I was at first, when I was doing um, uh, my first Broadway play, which was Arcadia by Tom Stopper. Yes. Just such a beautiful which play. Which you then revived. Which then, yes, exactly. Amazing. David Laveau decided to do it again. Cool. And he said, do you want to play the uh, Victor Garber part? And I thought what? about it. And it was such a, a personally incredible experience for me uh, yeah. to get a chance to do not just work on a Tom Stoppard play, but directed by Trevor Nunn, who uh-huh. I had watched the videos of him teaching Shakespeare. Yes. Helen Mirren and Judy Dench, Judy Dench and absolutely. Ian Kellen and Patrick Stewart and, you know, uh, Bob Hoskins. Also worked with. Yeah. I, 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 it was. <laughs> I wanted to ask you about that too. It was incredible. <laughs> it, it, it was an incredible experience. So I had all sorts of romantic feelings attached to it. And yeah, yeah. I also loved the play. Um, Very cool. But when we were doing the original production, Helen Mirren was there doing. Um, a production of A Month in the Country. I can't believe mm. I'm remembering this now. Uh-huh. Alessandro Nivola was in that. And then oh, um, um, Jude Law was there doing Indiscretions. Oh. And Rufus Sewell was there doing a different play. I can't remember. And then Ray Fiennes came in and was doing Hamlet. Oh, wow. And so oh, okay. Helen Mirren's idea was every Tuesday we'll get people together at Café okay. Andutois. And okay. it was so... Exhilarating! Wow, to be a part of that community, uh, and so I, I had um, a- incredible uh, memories from that. That being said, when I went back and did the revival, the way the play is structured, yeah. it takes place in the past and in the present. Right. So when you're not on stage, you're backstage listening to the other half of the play. Mm-hmm. Well, the other half of the play was the most formative part of my career. So I'm listening wow. to the ghost of my former self. Yeah. And then I'm in the body of who I've become since then, yeah. <laughs> for better or worse. So it was That's a pretty trippy, trippy experience. Yeah. yeah. It was, um, I, it's like hard to describe. Full circle. Yeah. It was. Yeah. yeah. And all the things that you had hoped you would become when you were in your 40s. Oh, wow. Yeah, and yeah, yeah, yeah. some of them you had accomplished, some of them you hadn't accomplished, yes. and you know, it's all thrown into relief. All the mistakes, the regrets that, <laughs> yeah, totally. and the and meanwhile, playing in the background is 
the language you were using when mm. the future was anything. So Wait, what do you mean the future? Oh. When I was doing that play originally, uh-huh. I was introduced to Broadway. It was a Broadway debut. Yeah. It was Tom Stoppard. I was, I got all sorts of in- incredible experiences that came along with that. And the future could be whatever I gotcha. wanted it to be. Yeah, the useful So I'm listening optimism. to that yeah. while I'm in the future that I'm in. <laughs> Right, <laughs> which doesn't look quite as shiny, uh-huh. a little bit, uh, <laughs> a little more realistic, achy, yeah, <laughs> in the body, less, um, less fantastical, uh, yeah, less yeah. fantastical, yeah, yeah. There, then there you are in the middle of your life, um, mm. but it was, uh, it was that was a remarkable opportunity that who who knows, you know, it's one of the traditions of theater that I love. It makes you not covetous of any particular part that you get. Is that uh. it's just a long train of people telling these stories and if you get to be a part of that tradition and drop in and drop out you know Mm -hmm. um there's actually even a monologue in arcadia that's about that specific thing because thomasina the young girl who's brilliant at chaos mathematics whether she knows it or not um and understanding the way in which the world materially works is lamenting the loss of all all of the knowledge from the fire at the Library of Alexandria. Uh-huh. And so Septimus, her tutor, is trying to comfort her. So his explanation is mm. knowledge, like energy, is not ever lost or found. Mm-hmm. It's always there. And cool. sometimes it perks its head up and then drops away for a while. Yes. But nothing is ever lost. Yeah. S- yeah somebody's coming up behind us, they're going to pick it up and sure. they're going to show it to their generation it's just there's the most beautiful monologue ever um but it it did i think i um identified with it enough that i wanted to do the play again oh sure (laughs) sure well and uh paul rudd was just on this podcast and paul was saying that similar thing of you should really do the classics you should do the the shakespeare and you should do classical text because it's this big tradition that you are then a part of and like especially if you're an early career actor and a struggling actor, it helps to plug into something that grounded and that like feel a part of a legacy is what it is. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and legacy of knowledge. That, that tradition uh, of storytelling was one of the things that I was talking about earlier that was so magical to me. Totally. And so totally. when you become a part of it, I think uh, Paul's 100% right. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, mm-hmm. and, and another another reason to do them is because they're around because they mostly work and nothing ever works. Absolutely. So you might as well there do something go. that this this is the crucial part about a play. Right. The reason why we keep doing doing them, and we don't do the shitty ones. We're not doing uh, the ones that don't work. We're not doing the shitty ones that don't work. I mean, some people, you know, Shakespeare has his problem plays, and every generation has their people yeah. like I'm going to beat measure for measure this right. year. Right. Um, Taming of the Shrew is yeah, my. Yeah. yeah. There you go. And so. Um, <laughs> There, there is that uh, that wrestling with the uh, the things that haven't worked before, yeah. but mostly, yeah, they work. It's as a, a, yeah, an it's event. because it's a yeah. That's why I, I mean, Three Sisters is one of the most spectacular plays. Right. Um, How do you get it wrong? It's it, it just you know the. <laughs> Whether or not you have a good production, and I've been in a bad production, or, or okay. I'll say an unsuccessful production, okay. where people slept or left, um, even then you can find moments of absolute, like, pristine totally. humanity totally. on display. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because the way that Chekhov wrote was 
observing nuance in people that is so humane and yeah. in any language in any language totally. at any time yeah um that uh that's re that's really like the, the thing i was talking about before about catharsis is yeah. it allows you to be a part of what really is the whole event anyway totally it's not you giving a good performance and... or it's not like um being a part of a good play or whatever it's this continual yeah. ritual of being a part of a community that reflects on itself totally. by way of this storytelling totally what did you just say pristine moments of pure humanity uh, yeah, is that the goal? Like that, that's yeah. the goal. Well, if you can, right? If I mean, can. if yes. you can. And of course, that's all relative. That, rather than... Yeah, because in a, a group of 100 people, one person's expression of the pristine humanity is going to be vastly different from somebody else's. Yes. So you're just or they're asleep. Or, or, <laughs> and mostly... Maybe they were sleepy, you, you know? know? <laughs> By the way... That's a great catharsis to give somebody yeah. a nap. I mean, I can't tell you how <laughs> often days. I need a nap. And sometimes I'll pay $60 for it. Absolutely. <laughs> it is not... Uh... I'd rather not do it in the theater, but hey, that is a catharsis. It, is it like certainly is. A release Are you kidding sort. me? Some people, um, as soon as the lights go down... Well, I thought I think about this when my son was younger and I would take him to a movie. Yeah. It was it, that I was there for the nap. I mean, as soon as the you lights, were there for the nap. oh my yeah. god, I needed a nap so bad. And I get to make sure to because at a certain point, I mean, when he was younger, he would have you know, um, uh, two naps in the day, and then it gets little, little down yeah. to one, and oh. then at some point, that nap goes away. Yeah, and now, the dad still needs the nap. Oh my god, <laughs> when that say, when that afternoon nap went away, that was like that was Talk torture. About uh, yeah. yeah, so I would say we're going to the movies. <laughs> And yes. I'm going to still get my nap in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There is something really cathartic, even if it's just, it's sitting on your butt for two hours, but it's cathartic. It's necessary. It, it To me, it's a really um, wonderful way to engage yeah. in, um, and I'm kind of a hermit in some ways too. So I need provocation to get out into the world and be a part of the community yeah. and stuff. And so that's, that's why my way, both as a participant and an observer. This episode is brought to you by Chernobyl on HBO. Nominated for two SAG Awards, including outstanding performances by Jared Harris and Emily Watson in a limited series, The Washington Post raves the show has impeccable performances for your SAG Award consideration in all nominated categories. You're clearly also very in touch with those around you and like community-based and not just Helen Mirren at the bar after the thing, but like you... You steal and borrow from people in a good way. <laughs> I, I, there, uh, I can't. I can't remember who it, it was. Uh, I think Paul Ferguson. Back to my uh, speech communications mm. teacher. Yeah, yeah. We were developing a show. I, I wish I could remember what it was based upon. But if there were ten of us in mm. the company of people who were performing this, he said, "Okay, let's divide up and." Three groups, well, three, three, and four. Here's the agenda. Each of you come up with um, a pantomime of a dragon being born from an egg. And oh, cool. I, I, can't, I think that was like a, a, a part of this particular story. Uh -huh. But so then the three of us or four of us work in our little group. Yeah, yeah. Collaborate in microcosm. And then we show it to him. Mm -hmm. And then he sees it and he goes, Okay, so here's something important for you to understand. Good people invent 
great people steal. So I'm going to take this piece from that part and this part from this part, and we're going to put those two together in a new like, in a new way. And so this will be something that none of us thought of, that all of us thought of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is really exciting. More That's than great, the sum of its parts. Uh, more than the sum yeah, of its yeah. parts. And yeah. to me, that potential is always there. And huh. the morning show is a perfect example of it, actually, because yes, I, I like my take on the character. <laughs> Was not the original take I from the writer. Bet. Was not the, I... but it was more than um, she had direction for me that mm. I didn't understand mm. about it. Our director Mimi Leader yes. had ideas about it. The way that it was shot was an important part of the way uh, that it was cut together. I mean, totally. I did a lot of different different kinds of takes because that character. <laughs> He's kind of supposed to be in the moment, and uh, right. so mm. one way to render that is to be very present to the people who are around you. Mm -hmm. So as soon as any variable changes, cool. something cool. else is going to manifest in you. Yeah. So they could have cut it in a million different ways. Yeah. So yeah. that performance is not my performance. That's Carrie Aaron's <laughs> performance, Mimi, uh, yeah. Mimi Leader's performance, sure. Jen's performance, Mark Duplass's performance. Guys. Yeah. It was everybody, yeah. Uh, yeah. the hair and makeup, That's the wardrobe so cool. team. You know, like uh, I had so many discussions with our wardrobe designer because I kept saying, no, he's corporate. He, he's like uh -huh. he has to fit into a boardroom. And she'd be like, yeah, but he's also but super also, cool. He's got yeah. some weird stuff. And so it was all a negotiation. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. and the stealing uh, from multiple perspectives. And then all yeah. of a sudden something arises that was not mine and is mine, you know, no. like at the same and time. And that also evolves. And it Thank has absolutely. Thank you for a absolutely brilliant transition to talking about The Morning Show because <laughs> oh, it occurred to way me better like... than I could have engineered. <laughs> it's true. Um, that feels like such an ensemble, almost theatery ensemble vibe of a show. Definitely felt that yeah. way to me. Yeah. I, I mean, from the uh, uh, first second of reading um, that, not only was it, it to me so incredibly ambitious, um, mm about what kind of catharsis it was attempting to deliver mm. uh, and the way in which it went about examining that, uh, that was really novel to me. Yeah. And uh, I thought, again, back to the process, well, it's mm. going to be a great pursuit. It's something worth pursuing. Right. The, it, few <laughs> people have ambition on this level and... Uh, that's a team I want to be a part of. Interesting. Because th that is higher stakes than the communications class where you're creating something that's just going to be shown for no question about it. minutes. Or there whatever. is added pressure. Uh, right. And... But you still want to be process oriented. And I love this idea of like, there are a lot of, probably a lot of different versions of Coriolisin with the different takes. 100%. And that's because you're not trying to find the definitive. I had all my product. ideas. You yeah. know, I would do a lot of text work and... Mm -hmm. In, in order to play somebody who speaks so confidently uh, in such volume, mm. Um, mm. You, the, the, there's some long monologues on that. There's channel. some long, long monologues. Y you have to have um, the ability to hold an ornate idea in your head before you speak. Ooh, okay. So it's sort of like saying, okay, I'm going to, you could divide, um, let's see, four by two and get two, 
Or you can do like the long division part of it that Ooh. takes you, you know, through some addition and some multiplication <laughs> and back through a round. And you still get two at the end of it. Right. But he's okay. the guy who has the long form yes, variable equation about okay. everything. Yeah. So, so ultimately it becomes indefatigable. It's so impressive <laughs> what he said that you go, well, uh, wait, has he thought of everything? Did he? You know, or has <laughs> he just like voodooed me there? Like I, he's a yeah. bit of, of both. And yeah. Uh, yeah. so I would have to make serious choices about how he moves from one thought to the next in the space of mm. these monologues so I could do it really quickly. Okay. And mm. that, that to me was part of the mandate for him yeah. is that he, these things come out really quickly and I, I can't, it's hard to speak that kind of language. Yeah. Um, so there are a lot of takes of just me turning to the camera going, Nope. Oops. Uh, <laughs> well, let's go back to one. Also, a lot of it is the tracking choreography stuff. Mark Duplass was saying he 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 did a lot of the like. He's a genius at that. Yeah, like uh, you hit this mark and then you hit this mark at this line and then you. Yeah. He, and I am not. Um, uh, well, as a maybe as a theater trained actor. Well, if you give me five weeks, I could do it. Exactly. That's right. I mean, that's the crucial thing is totally. not, I know my time frame. But if you give me five hours, it's unlikely mm. that I'll be able to juggle all of it seamlessly. Right. So that's why I say like the special attention to like the people who cut it is because. Sure. Um, it's a collaborative. It's uh, yeah. this. This is me piecing it together. Mark, uh -huh. on the other hand, he has such a an impressive understanding of the way that films get constructed mm. um, and stories are told through film mm. that there doesn't appear to be anything intimidating to him in that process. He has right. incredible command. Right. And I would right. lean on him all the time. Uh -huh. um, we had so many scenes together and, um, and related so well together. And I was often wildly uncomfortable because maybe... You know, if I do all this work on this monologue and then I come in that day and they've changed, they say, we're going to change two things. I'm Throw you I, off. Oh my God. Really? Because I, uh, I, like I say, that I've built an architecture thing. for oh, it. Oh, sure. So I can't okay. get to the next thought without mm. that thought. I understand that it's taking a, up too much time, but you guys wrote it already. Like you I, had the formula in your so head. So I had yeah. the, I've already done the, and cool. having something nailed down like that clearly to me allows me to be available in the moment to, be, to make yeah. him that present, you know, to cool. give him that vitality yeah. of responding to other people. Gotcha. Um, so when they would change things, um, <laughs> it's sweat. Last minute. Oh, it's sweat. Sweat, 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 sweat. <laughs> okay. Here comes makeup and hair. Get, There's not enough powder in the, the world sweat. for me. Oh, no. Oh, yeah. It's oh, a very uncomfortable experience. You're not, um, I would say he's a little bit of a slimy character, but you were not literally slimy in the show. So. Well, I appreciate that. <laughs> that was the all the powder. Um, uh -huh. Yeah, he's um, he's a bit of a shapeshifter. And yeah. that, that to me was a discovery um, with oh, Carrie cool. Aaron. And, uh -huh. um, you know, I would do a certain take or I would come in having prepared a certain way. Mm -hmm. And then I would run back to her and say, um, is that what we're talking we gotta about? we got to discuss it. And she'd yeah. go, yeah. And what if okay. we do this too? Yeah. And I, oh, yeah, great. I mean, cool. it was really building uh uh, process and learning off one another. And, um, and you know, Mimi w would understand how to calibrate tone uh, uh -huh. because Corey's, uh, you can get the tone <laughs> wildly wrong. Uh, I feel like of any of the characters, yeah. That he, he's, yeah, he could, he, he could, could be, be 
kabuki. Clown. Yeah, one hundred percent. Yeah, and um, or a total, I don't know, villain or yeah, boring. a caricature yeah. of a capitalist pig. Sure. You know, yeah. um, and. And but he's having so much fun. She wasn't interested in any of that. Yeah, <laughs> he is having so he's much fun. Always, yeah. I would often come back, and uh, I'm I'm sure that some of the joy that I was able to express, like on camera, came from just me getting through some of the monologues. <laughs> the relief oh, the at relief. the end of it, it was just like. Oh. <sighs> I mean, Success. obviously, it's a part of Corey, too. He's very proud of himself when he's able to get these ideas gotcha. codified, you know, oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. let me just bring it down to this. This is where it is. It's very self-satisfying to him. To hit the end of that monologue Always. himself. And so for yeah. me, too, it's oh, both cool. of them. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Because I did want to ask, like, uh, is part of that pre, before the collaborative, working with other people, bouncing off of them thing, the text work you mentioned? That's first for me. That's your process for television for te- okay for like on when i do a play uh-huh. i try not to memorize anything before the first day of rehearsal because before you start yeah, you've yeah. got to see what the set's going to look like mm-hmm. you got to understand what the space is going to look like it's you have to tip. understand where the designers are going to take it mm-hmm. and then you have to you know primarily hear how the other actors are yes. using their voices to mm-hmm. tell this story and let it how the directors evolve. and then it becomes that's how that's how I think you create a cohesive mm-hmm. story again whether it works or doesn't work is not really up to you right um right and but what you can do is give your best effort to um, build on that one event uh, collaboratively together yes and so the way for me to do that um or the way that I have done it and who knows maybe there's a better way that I just you know I haven't <laughs> come to yet um Hmm. it is to not prepare before that if there's something physically i need to do to become more flexible or Mm -hmm. vocal work i need to do the last play that i did was um it was just a solo performance so there were some things that i had to do with the text just to start um internalizing it because i he had different um accents Mm -hmm. and i had to transition between them rather quickly so some technical stuff technical stuff and i I'm I'm I I I can't wing it with that stuff. I'm not particularly good with accents anyway, but the way the way that you manage it if you're not good is by selling it. So you uh-huh. know it. Right. You just know it. Right. You know right, it, right. you know it and you make your choices and yeah. that's the way that you sound as that person. Right. Um whereas for screen acting it's a little bit more like you are t- telling your one little fraction of the story rather than looking at the big picture and still doing like like you said best you can. Yep. And you have a tighter schedule. No question about it. It's much more compartmentalized. <laughs> uh, you don't, you don't, typically you have no opportunity to um, really hear how everybody else is doing it mm-hmm. until you get there that morning right. and you read it together. Mm-hmm. Um, and my brain does not typically work fast enough to accommodate right. everything that in the way. I mean, yes, I can get through it and yeah. it could be fine. But if you have something that's as special and interesting as working on this show, playing this character, mm-hmm. you don't want to settle for fine. You want the you want that's to the... exploit the best of your potential in this part. Yeah. So that's the stakes you're talking about. Really important. Exactly. Yeah. It's a, 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 the recognition that this is like an opportunity to be a, a part of something novel, and yeah. Yeah. Um, so you don't want to just do your workman best you want to do like your 
you want to achieve on on in as as ambitious a way as the script is trying to achieve. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. not a sentence that is no, used in the English language. I but think on this podcast, that's a sentence. Okay. I think that's definitely that's definitely allowed. I, do you remember in high school when you had to diagram sentences? Did you ever have to do that? Oh, yeah. Oh, we used to do yeah. that. Yeah, I'd like to see somebody try to diagram that sentence. I don't think it's possible. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> yes. I just, yeah, I remember on the SAT, it was the reading. I was like, why? I thought I was a really good reader, and apparently I'm not good at the... Something about the sentences. Well, or maybe that test doesn't tell the whole story. I think that's probably more likely. Um, I have to ask you advice. We got to let you go. I'm sure I have to let you go. Um, but we're backstage, so we're all about early career acting advice, yeah. of course. And I'm sure you've you've given it before. But like, what's your favorite? You know, what's your number one piece of early career acting advice, or what's something that you wish you had known? Well, early career is almost for most people, entirely taken up with auditions. So, yes. in, in fact, your career is auditioning, and your work mm-hmm. as an actor is auditioning. Mm-hmm. If nobody knows you, then that's all you're going to be doing. Um, right. So during that period of time, I can remember thinking at a certain point, because it's deflating when not only do you not do a good job in the moment for the audition? Mm-hmm. It's deflating when you don't get a call back. It's, right. it's deflating when you don't get the part. It's, def- it's deflating when you do the best audition ever <laughs> and then you get close to getting the part and don't get the part. Mm-hmm. Um, or you get, I, I, I got a part one time, I did two days on it and then I was fired, which totally is deflating, happens. you know? Yes. And yeah. one of the things that I think I started to think about was, back to the conversation about process was when I'm audition, when I'm auditioning, which I still do, by the way. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. I think of that as the time that I get to play the part. Mm-hmm. It's mine for those, for that two minutes, minutes. Yeah. Yeah. That's my part. Yeah. Like as I really got this part. Gotcha. Yeah. And it, it takes away if you, if you can monastically like, <laughs> meditate on that yeah. and really which is a good skill for actors in general to have motivations that aren't your own yeah motivations for the character to kind of take you away gotcha. from your own stress or all the stuff that you know cathartic it's important yeah. That, yeah that that getting out of your own head and your own way you know, it's really useful sure. so if you make it about the story mm-hmm. you make it about the character work and your ability to render it the best that you can for that one two-minute show at 3.30 in the afternoon for an audience of three, mm-hmm. um, it, it's a great way to get through the day. And you feel yeah. like an artist, which is a really important thing to feel like Definitely. when you're starting out. Because yeah. mostly you feel like a failure. Because <laughs> There's more that's what's happening all the time. I mean, it is you're uh, not necessarily making millions doing it. You no, know, and you know you can only sustain it for so long because obviously, if you if you're not if you don't have an income, if you're not working right. enough, you're not going to get to audition enough because you're going to have to work. Right, like and you so on the boat with the pizzas, you got to go do your pizza job too. I certainly did. Uh, wait, I waited tables and mm-hmm. parked cars, and you know I had my version of uh, of um, jobs in between the summers um, where I was trying to accommodate several things but i never had to once i started when i when i finished school once i started working i didn't have uh, many lulls i got to work pretty frequently Mm -hmm. and um 
But what ended up happening was I was auditioning more and more for things that I were that were more pressure filled. So I okay. went from auditioning, um, you know, for uh, um, a Shaw play in Ithaca, which was also an amazing place, the Hangar Theater. I don't want to mm-hmm. diminish that at all, but to auditioning for Barry Levinson, who was a director that I grew up loving his movies. Right. Diner was one of my family favorites. Mm. So how how do I, as a young actor, yeah. organize myself to stay calm and in the moment and cool. deliver what I can? And yeah. one of the ways to do it is to think about that as my opportunity to play the part, yeah. that I've got it. And um, yeah. And your job is to audition that's in, it. In those moments, yeah. And yeah. when the performance is over, in the same way that, like, when you're doing a play, I can remember early on feeling, especially during Arcadia, like, I'm ruining Tom Stoppard's <gasps> play. Every, and your first time. The first time I was yeah, doing yeah. it. Because every... Well, that's you a bad night syndrome it, it, of, like... No question. Yeah. Like... That's high stakes. It's, be- it's because you think of yourself as the actor that... Um, let me think of the way, the right way to put this. You think of the best night that you ever had, where the audience was the most engaged, yeah. where your timing was perfect, where you didn't miss a beat, where everything was... You think of that as yourself as an actor. That is not yourself as an actor. <laughs> okay. That is the night you hit four home runs. It will never happen again. Right. Nope. But what you can do is be a major league hitter. And if you hit yes. over 300, you're probably going to the Hall of Fame. So right. what you can do... Process-oriented. Get back to the thing <laughs> of just doing the best that you can. Yeah. And don't, um, don't think that your best performance is who you are mm. as an actor. Don't think of your worst performance mm. as who you are as an actor. No. You're somewhere in the middle. Yes, all the time. All the time. Totally. And totally. so it, the um, all you can do is embark upon it with um, uh, each night with enterprise to do the best you can that night. Mm. And yeah, the results are what they are. I mean, <laughs> when yeah. I was doing the show <laughs> where... Um, it was just me that, uh, uh, my first line was, I could always do an immaculate English accent. And there was a guy in the second row on the aisle who was clearly dragged there by his wife or girlfriend. As soon as I said that, there was a brief pause and he just goes, Oh, me. And I said that out loud. loud. Oh no. And then like was leaning into the aisle. (laughs) Like, I can't wait to get out of here. And I there's almost nobody I can see but this guy for the next hour and 15 minutes. And so there are some times where there's going to be impediments uh, like to your... That. Yeah. And... Um, <laughs> it's the every, exact opposite of the, your son's Lion King reaction. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. The exact opposite. Exactly. <laughs> uh, and you have to be prepared for that. Uh, yeah, what are you going to do? Stop? You can, And this there are some on. people who... I think have stopped before because they're so caught up in their own story. Turn that phone off. I'm not con- oh. I'm not going to keep this performance going until sure. that phone is turned off. Yes. And obviously we all feel like that sometimes, yes. but yes. moreover, I think your job is to probably do the best you can under the uh, under whatever circumstances. Yeah. Um <laughs> That's such a great thesis for this whole, this masterclass of an interview you just gave. Oh, thank Truly. you. <laughs> Be process oriented and don't, don't just do the best you can. And and then go to sleep and get up the next day. And let it go. And do the best you can the next day. Yeah. That's it. Go, yeah. I mean, put it in away. Your, in your gypsy life. Yeah, that's I mean, it. It's your gypsy life. Turn the moving page. Moving on to the next thing. Totally. 
Thank you, Billy. Hey, thank I, you. We went over. Thank you so much for joining us. My this pleasure. So Happy to be here. Awesome. <laughs> I could talk to you all day. Thanks, man. Um, you too. In the Envelope, an awards podcast is recorded at Lotus Productions and Hyperbolic Audio in New York City and Soundbox LA, Mark Rose Studios and Buzzies in Los Angeles. Thanks as always to podcast producer extraordinaire Jamie Muffet and to the team at Backstage, Samantha Sherlock, Mark Stinson, Caitlin Watkins, and of course, Casey Howe. Visit Backstage.com and don't forget, you can subscribe to Backstage by using the code ENVELOPE at checkout for a free trial. That's right, 100% free. For more exclusive content, join us on Facebook and Twitter at In The Envelope and subscribe, share, and leave a comment. Who would you like us to interview next? Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next time for another glimpse in the envelope.